Good morning. Before we have you stand and read, I want to continue. I'll do this every week, tell you about our prayer cards. There's one in the back of the chair that looks like that. And there's ones up here by the bowl. And also there's a bowl, a prayer bowl out by the connection desk because we want your prayers. As you see on our wall, my house should be called a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, anywhere there's a church, there needs to be a prayer going on. And we make that a priority. And by you filling these things out, you'll be prayed for, the blue one or, the, or this one. And then there's also these green ones that, that uh, look like this now. And that's where the Lord, is, it says, uh, his answer. So how the Lord has answered a prayer for you, we would love to hear that. It's very encouraging. I send these out every Saturday and every Monday to different groups of people and cycle through it. So these are prayed for, the prayer requests, uh, at least once a month, personally, by someone. So as you put the prayer in there, we're, we're praying for those, we're praying over them, ask the Lord to answer them for us. So if you, if you could, would fill those out and let us know how we can pray, we would love it. Okay, would you stand? We're in Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at the gospel. Do not be afraid, only believe. You might call it desperate faith. And this story, as, it, as Mark continues in his narrative about our, our Savior, snapshots of the Savior, in Matthew, Mark chapter 5, and beginning in verse 21. If you would follow me in your Bibles, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with her, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So Lord, we, we, we uh, take to heart this morning who you are. The things that you've given to us in your word are for our growth, for our strength, for our uh, gaining in our understanding of who you are and living in our, our lives more intimately with you, that we're growing in our faith and going deeper with you. And that's our heart's cry, Lord, to a deeper faith. So, Lord, the things I prepared, I ask that you break them fresh, bless them. I pray you'd help me to communicate the things on your heart this morning that we may receive from you. The engrafted word which is able to save our souls. We love you, Lord. We ask, Lord, for anyone listening that does not know you, 
that, Lord, by your word, you would speak to their hearts that they might be drawn to you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Please. So bless this time in your word in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated. So someone once said that cries for help are often inaudible. Cries for help are often inaudible. That is not so with God. He hears our cries. Someone else said, if it, if it is a characteristic of wisdom not to do desperate things, but that's not true if what I'm doing is running to God. And that's the picture we have with two lives this morning. In Psalm 91, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. There are tons of passages we could go to. A couple thoughts this morning. When we talk about do not be afraid, only believe, believe the beauty of desperate faith in Jesus. Believe it's a beautiful thing. Secondly, believe the glory of the divine humility who is Jesus. So Jesus' miraculous power, we're looking at these miracles over nature, over demons, over the disease and death. Mark dedicates more of his narrative to Jesus' miracles than any other of the gospel writers, filled with these snapshots of miraculous things that Jesus did. So we pick up our story as Jesus is now Leaving the scene in Gadara, he takes his disciples through a horrendous storm to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and immediately delivers the man and turns around, gets in the boat, and returns. He did just one thing. His miraculous power delivered a man from thousands of demons that had possessed his body and been tormenting his pitiful soul for a long time. One thing. So as you would expect, Jesus is the main attraction He is the the great multitudes are drawn to him, thronging him. Now, verse 21, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And then from among them, those gathered, two other desperate souls take the spotlight. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw Jesus, him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Great faith, a desperate faith. But his little daughter is on on her deathbed. Now, interesting little background. Jesus had attended the synagogue in Capernaum on many occasions. In Mark 2 and 3, we looked at this. Jesus was ministering on the Sabbath day. He delivered a demon, nice man. He healed a man with a withered hand that really upset the religious leaders. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue. To the point that these rulers, if it included Jairus, which is possible, were plotting against him how they might destroy him. So, Here's Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, 
Is it possible that he was one of those that was angry at Jesus for breaking the Sabbath? But since, since that time, things have changed. His little daughter is on her deathbed. His only daughter, Luke tells us, is dying. He's desperate. Whether he was once angry or not, either way, suddenly, things that used to be so important no longer are. All his religious pieties are insignificant. Whatever name or position he had gained among the people didn't matter. Whatever possessions he had, he had accumulated had lost any importance they once held. In a word, Jairus by name was a desperate man. His daughter is dying, his only daughter. Listen, his, his pride is swallowed up in his desperation. So believe the beauty of desperate faith in Jesus. He fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, come. But believe also the glory of the divine humanity. Notice Mark 5, 24, so Jesus went with him. That is incredible divine humility. This is the glory of the humility of Jesus, the Son of God. He's the word of God. So in John, many of you know this, but let's read the amazing thing that happened in history. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. He is creator God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we held his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is actually the heart of God, in the bosom of the Father, has declared him. What is God like? It's the humility of God. In 1 John, that which is from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have handled, looked upon, and our hands have ha handled concerning the word of life. John's looking back as he's writing this epistle, saying, we handled him, we saw him, we scrutinized him. It's the glory of the humility of God. The life was manifested, verse 2, and we have seen and hear and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. This is the glory of the humility of Christ Jesus. In Philippians, many of you again have probably heard this. Let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He, was, he is God but made himself of no reputation, 
taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Only believe in the glory of the humility of God. On this passage in his book, Humility, Andrew Murray writes, quote, It is important that we know who Christ is, especially the chief characteristic that is the root and essence of his character as our Redeemer. There can be but one answer. It is his humility. What is the incarnation but his heavenly humility, his, em his emptying himself and becoming a man? What is his life on earth but humility, his taking the form of a servant? And what is his atonement but humility? He humbled himself and became obedient to death. Christ is the expression of the humility of God embodied in human nature. The eternal love humbling itself, clothing itself in the garb of meekness and gentleness, notice, to win and serve and save us. That's the humility of God. Anything that is good comes out of humility. All things that are evil come out of pride. Let me say those two things again. Anything that is good comes out of humility. All things that are evil come out of pride. A great multitude, verse 24, followed him and thronged him. Here is Jesus getting jostled about as he made his way to Jairus' little daughter. He's not frustrated. I would be. <laughs> if there's a crowd, I'm done. He was humbly making his way. The crowd was a part of the journey. He loved them. He was there to help them and to heal them and to be among them. Now, I have a, I have a difficult time accepting that traffic is a part of the journey. Can we soak it in a little bit? Here is Jesus, creator God, son of man, jostled about in a crowd of people to minister to them the truths of God's great love. And from the cloud emer crowd emerges a known but unnamed sickly woman. Now, a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, to add to Jairus' desperation comes this delay. How many of you like delays? We can sense the hurry up rising from his heart, from Jairus' heart. My daughter, my daughter, would you get it done? Let's get on with it. But then we hear Jesus saying, uh, hold everything. Who touched me? Dick Tracy calling Joe Jitsu, hold everything. Now, maybe that doesn't fit here, but that's what I thought of, so that's my <laughs> sinful heart. <laughs> How many of you even know what that is? Yeah, okay, good. 
wait a second, wait a second, who touched me? Mary and Martha knew this well, this delay thing. When their brother Lazarus was deathly sick, they sent messages to Jesus, saying, you got to come, Lazarus is sick, you got to come, you got to come. And it says when Jesus heard the thing, he stayed where he was. He didn't go immediately. When he finally arrives, Lazarus had been dead for four days. What do you think Martha and Mary, his sisters, are thinking? We don't have to wonder. We know. In John chapter 11, now Mary, as Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. These are two very different personalities. Martha's on it. He should have been here. He wasn't here. He's been dead four days. What's going on? At least to some degree in her heart. Now Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that, that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. One of the most powerful, poignant passages in all the Bible. I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? Now, it says that when Mary came where Jesus was, so she heard, she would say, hey, Jesus wants to, so she, Mary's now out of the house and goes to see Jesus. Fell down on his feet, saying to him, Lord, same exact thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, listen, this is the incredible humility of God. Broken in weeping over death and all the pain that comes with it. And the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Exactly. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha said, I like King James better. Lord, <laughs> he stinketh. Jesus said to her, verse 40, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you'd see, here it is, the glory of God? They've been seeing it, him weeping, the glory of his humility and compassion and brokenness in a broken world, the heart of God manifested. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me to see the heart of God. Exactly. Always remember 
that Mary and Martha witnessed and experienced on that miraculous day, what they did was after a delay. After desperation. What Jairus experienced was after the desperation, after a delay. I often wonder why God delays answering my prayers. Why does God not immediately respond to my cry? Why? His delays are for my good and his glory. Though I don't understand that. It is never too late with God. It is never a vacuum in which our words go when we speak to God. (laughs) It is the glory of the humility of God. His timetable is exact and his timing is perfect. Jesus was not annoyed with an interruption. It's part of the journey. I said, Lord, you got to help me with that one. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, verse 25, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus... Somebody talked to her about Jesus. Maybe it was very recently. We don't know that. Her affliction was her sickness. There are many other afflictions that bring desperation with it. Before she came to Jesus, she had heard about every possible solution. Medicines, medical treatments, Procedures, you name it, she did it. Suffered many things from many physicians, meaning in Greek, the largest number. She exhausted whatever possible doctors there were. She spent all she had, the whole, literally, of her resources were put towards seeking help, seeking wholeness, seeking healing. I surmise that before she came to Jesus, she lived a lonely, isolated life. This flow of blood would have been considered the uncleanness of of Leviticus, which meant she's not to be touched. So you understand why she came as she did. She isn't even to be in that crowd. But she's desperate. The lonely isolation... When absolutely nothing helps and no one can help. The lonely isolation when absolutely nothing changes, but it just is getting worse. The lonely isolation when there's nothing left except another dead end or empty wallet. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. 
Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She touched the garment. Really, again, in the Greek, it's a strong word. It means to grasp, to lay hold of. I'm, not, I'm never letting go. If I can just touch, and she does it. She grabs it, and whatever that felt like in her body. She said, and that means she kept saying it. I just got to get to his I just got to touch him. I got to touch his clothes. I got to get. And so she's just speaking herself right to where she's at his feet. She grabs it and she's healed. He, she had tried everything, but she heard about it. Now she's going to him. What a difference Jesus makes. So here again is the beauty of desperate faith. If I only may touch his clothes, one last determined effort. Putting everything aside, she's going to get to Jesus because you got nowhere else to go. What a great place that God allows us to find ourselves is at the feet of Jesus, desperate to touch him. She was not disappointed. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. An actual sensation went through her body and she knew she was healed. Whatever she felt, she knew she had been made well. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, (laughs) it's kind of comical. Lord, what are you talking about? (laughs) Who touched you? Everyone's touching you. It seems like a really dumb question, but it's not because Jesus is the one who asked it. Who touched me? This is a deeply personal question to one person who had one thing about which she knew. It's the glory of the divine humility to call that person out that they might know They touched God. And he looked around to see who had done this thing. He looked around to her. Divine humility. Penetrating look, piercing right into her very soul. I know what happened. I know when I touched you, something, some way, somehow healed my body. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him and told him the whole truth. I dare say that this woman was the only one who understood what Jesus was asking. Because no one else knew. She's unsure why he asked it, fear and trembling. I'm not sure. Are you going to take it away? And she's about to find out. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus did not say, your touch has made you well. But your faith has made you well. The object to which she was putting her faith, Jesus. Go in peace and be healed and be continually whole, literally. Her sickness, listen. 
her sickness would not return. Her doctor visits are over. No more bills. No more follow-ups. Healed. Believe the beauty of a desperate faith in Jesus. And believe the glory of the divine humility of Jesus. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. The encouragement to him is, you keep on believing. You keep your desperation at high level. Let it rank it, take its full course. Let it root your faith deeper and deeper. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Clear the decks of anything else. Believe. You see, God is working by his spirit to bring you and me to a more perfect faith. The Bible says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and is a reward of those who diligently seek him. Only believe. It's no secret that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. And that faith is the cornerstone of the Christian life by faith. The just shall live by faith. It was through faith that we were saved. By grace you've been saved through faith. Trust him. It's through faith and by faith we are justified. By faith we overcome this world and the devil. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is that which overcomes the world. Even your faith. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Believe in the beauty of a desperate faith. In Jesus. Believe in the glory of the humility of God in Jesus. You see, faith is believing in, trusting in, relying on. Lots of ways to describe faith. Lately, I've been contemplating this whole idea, the word for pistis, the Greek word, as allegiance to God. An all-out, fully surrendered obedience in allegiance to Jesus as king, no matter what's going on. He's the king. There is no other. One of the greatest tests of our faith is when we were in the throes of great difficulty and suffering. It seems things are just getting worse. It's another day, another to, to endure, another week, another year, another decade. But it's through these very things that our faith is refined to its greatest measure and rooted to a greater and deeper depth of love for God. When the only evidence we have is the evidence that sees the invisible God. When the only substance we have is the substance of hope in the eternal God. 
who is our refuge and underneath him are his everlasting arms. That Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he's bringing us to a more perfect faith in the love of God, the greatness of God. In James, you know these also. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Really? Yeah. Count it all joy. <laughs> Knowing that the test of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Peter, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by God, by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Yeah, right on. In this you greatly rejoice. Oh, we got to turn the corner here? Yeah. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receive the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Job said, I know that when I am tested, I will come forth as gold. Do not be afraid, only believe. Believe in the beauty of a desperate faith in Jesus. Believe the glory of the divine humility of Jesus. Fall at his feet, cry out to him. In our passage, the passage, the contrasts are striking. You have Jairus by his name. You have this certain woman, known but unnamed. You have a respected leader in the community, important leader of the synagogue. You have an outcast from the community, banned from the synagogue because unclean. You have the, the, the wealthy man and the bankrupt woman. You have his only daughter and you have only herself. But both were desperate for God. Both had this desperation in their lives. It doesn't matter what spectrum it might be. We all at times have this desperate faith to come to Jesus as our only answer. The similarities are no less striking. Their money was useless. Both were desperate. Both experienced delay. Both had determined that Jesus was the only hope. And both experienced something for 12 years. A certain woman, verse 25, had a flow of blood for 12 years. And then immediately the girl rose and walked for she had, was 12 years of age. The little girl was 12 years old. The woman had a condition for 12 years. So just about the same time that this little bundle of joy was welcoming to Mr. and Mrs. Jairus' home, this woman began having symptoms, health problems. In the beginning, neither knew what lay ahead of them. Neither of them could have ever, ever thought, well, 12 years down the road. Listen, we have no way of knowing even what tomorrow brings. Never mind six years, eight years, 
10 years, 12 years. We don't know if six years along the road, the health condition has not changed but only gotten worse. We don't know that this little bundle of joy now 12 years in the house will still be there in 12 years. We don't know that. We cannot know, but God does. And so in this course, this journey, there are these things that God allows to bring us to the feet of Jesus, knowing he is our only answer. Do not be afraid, only believe. Believe the beauty of a desperate faith in Jesus. Believe the glory of the divine humility of Jesus. So as for the present in closing, I would say that most of us in this room are not feeling desperate. And thus we should, we should be and are very thankful. We count our blessings. At the same time, in speaking for myself, I long for a renewed desperation for a deeper faith in and love for Jesus. I long for that. And it's just been recently, over the last two months, two weeks, two months, in a conversation I had with Rob Dingman, and I'm, when I brought into this study, this whole thing of the humility of God, and then reflecting back on my own heart, I'm being drawn to that humility as something I know little about. I believe that desperate times brings a deeper understanding of the heart of God. In the brokenness, and sickness, loneliness of this world. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you out, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Oh, I long. And you know, the older I get, I'll be 70, as you know. But the older I get, the more I can tell. It's not going to come. Naturally. My sinful nature rises up. My pride is so prevalent. I say, Lord, I need you to do this work in me. And so as for the present, as one filled with the Holy Spirit, I am determined. And then maybe this would be a one of these for you, maybe all of them. I am determined to take time to be with God. Not a one-time desperate visit, but to be with God, to know his heart, to learn his ways, to be transformed from glory to glory as I look at him in the face. I am determined to trust God no matter what trials and difficulties and delays. This is, a, this is faith. 
I am determined to treasure every moment I have with my loved ones. I love you to tell them that, to communicate that. Because who knows when that little loved one is going to be on their deathbed or gone. Who knows? We don't know. I'm not trying to be sensational here. I'm saying this is reality. This is life. And listen, I am determined to tell every creature I possibly can about the humility of God. That is Jesus. Son of God, Son of Man, Savior of my life. He came to dwell among us, to die for us, to rise from the dead that we might follow. He lives to be with us. To go with us. To turn as he did with the woman and see her. He turns to see us individually with poignant, caring, personal. And listen, he's coming back to get us. To rule and reign over us and us with him in his kingdom. Believe the beauty of, the, of a desperate faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Believe in the glory of the divine humility of Jesus. That he would do these things. And give to us a hope. Can I have the worship team come? A hope beyond all the things of this life that are thrown at us. Beyond all the treasures this world might lay at our feet. There's one coming. Jesus is coming. So let me, would you stand with me and let's close this in a prayer. Lord, we thank you. I thank you. That you would have even even a casual glance at my life in our lives. You know all that's going on, and Lord, we are, <laughs> we are desperate to trust you, to know you, to love you, to follow you, to walk with you. Whatever that looks like, Lord, we don't know, but we know you are the author and finisher of our faith. We know that you died on that cross in order to save us from our sin, sanctify us by your blood, and change us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. We ask your blessing to our lives, over our lives, in every way. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. We want to, we never want to give up, Lord, but rather give in that you might do what you want to do in our lives.